1: Can you
2: hear me? Great. Can you hear me in uh, the room in Lincoln Square? Yes. Great. So I want to continue my series of talks on the uh, paramitas or liberative practices. I talked about generosity last Sunday. Today I want to talk about patience and healing and the special opportunity I've had this week to practice those. So. for some of you, this is a review. I've talked about the paramitas and and especially about patience, often that ancient dragon, but some of you um, are newer. So I want to go over the 10 uh, paramitas, the 10 liberative practices, the 10 practices that we engage in that express our liberation. These are uh, generosity, ethical conduct, Patience, energy or enthusiasm, samadhi or meditation, and prajna or insight, uh, sometimes translated as wisdom. And also uh, skillful means, vow, powers, and knowledge, which is different from wisdom. So um, these are all expressions of our bodhisattva vow to relieve suffering and liberate beings and expressions of our liberation right now here. So today I want to talk about patience and healing. So patience is an active practice.
1: It's not passive. Patience is something we actually act on or with, um, it involves attention
2: paying attention giving our attention expressing our attention uh, while we're sitting zazen while we're waiting for various things uh just to pay attention and then part of patience is that uh when we're paying attention when we're waiting we may see an opportunity to respond actively. So this has to do with skillful means. All 10 of these practices are totally connected and inform each other. Uh, But uh, this traditionally, this practice of patience, kshanti in Sanskrit, uh, also has been uh, talked about as tolerance How do we tolerate pain? How do we tolerate the difficulties of the world? Also, forbearance. How do we receive these opportunities for practicing patience? So this is a very dynamic practice to practice patience. It's a bodhisattva practice, a liberative practice. It helps each of us when we practice patience. It helps everyone to uh, see liberation, feel liberation, realize liberation. And the world gives us uh, many
1: opportunities to practice patience. Have you noticed?
2: Many things in the world allow us, provide us wonderful opportunities to do this wonderful practice of patience. And um, so I had a special and have a special opportunity this week. Uh, Tuesday evening, evening, I was in the emergency room for five hours, um, which required lots of patience, lots of waiting. <laughs> um, some of you have, may have had this experience. uh uh what happened is uh late tuesday afternoon it was raining and it was sort of freezing rain and i was walking our puppy um who's uh very energetic she she's very active and and speedy and and strong she's very, she's small but she's very strong anyway uh at some point i slipped and fell flat on my face on the sidewalk so you can see some of the marks of that um, no serious injuries to my head, no injuries to my head, just, um, uh, black eyes, two black eyes. This eye is black underneath the black eye patch. Um, so, um, yeah, um, patience has to do with, uh, healing also. So, uh, it required, um, Patients to wait in the emergency room, and then to wait for various examinations and procedures, and and uh, and still having to practice patience with healing. So, I, I want to talk about healing today too. This is uh, part of patience, uh, and again, the world provides each of us and all of us together. Uh, many opportunities to practice healing, to be patients and
1: practice patience. Um, so, what is that like? Um, how do we practice patience together?
2: So, partly, this is a practice that our Sangha has been involved with. And, and is still involved with, and this is a practice that all of us, the whole world, has been involved with through this pandemic, and I, I just want to say that this is, that we have a very talented Sangha. One of our Sangha members um, was a long-time emergency room physician, so I want to thank Dale. Um, he He's retired, but he uh actually helped me to uh, know which hospital to go to that would take less time <laughs> uh, so uh, so I might have spent 10 hours in the emergency room without Dale's help anyway <laughs> um, how do we you know practice just waiting there's many opportunities waiting for the bell to ring during sazen when we're having a uh an uncomfortable Rather than a joyful period of zazen, um, waiting for uh, uh, all kinds of things, you know, waiting for opportunities, waiting for, uh, you know, waiting for the bus, waiting, uh, waiting in, waiting at a at a red light for the light to turn, waiting, for, you know, all of our life we have to practice this patience, of course we learn about practicing patience through our impatience <laughs> so studying patience studying the self of patience is about seeing when we do get impatient when we get upset when we get angry and one of our precepts is to not hold on to anger to not be angry to let go of that but that's uh it's not that we crush anger, or impatience,
1: we we study it. This is how we learn patience. So uh,
2: now I'm practicing patience, waiting for these uh, scars to heal, and my arm's in a sling because of a, my thumb's in a splint, and I have to, I'm have waiting to find out if there's any, there was no, uh, no 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 break in the thumb uh from x-rays but they need to check it further uh so you know all of us have uh sometimes less dramatic <laughs> um times to practice and opportunities to practice patients the ultimate practice of patients Uh, Kshanti in Sanskrit is Anupadika Dharma Kshanti. I love saying that. It's my favorite Sanskrit term. (laughs) Uh, It means uh, the practice of uh, realizing the ungraspability of things, of any Dharma, of anything. So the practice of Impatience is not to get rid of impatience, it's to see our impatience and to um, settle into our impatience. This is true of, uh, I'll be talking uh, sometime in the next month about ethical conduct and precepts and all of this is related, all of these practices are related, but basically it's not about crushing delusion or getting rid of delusion, it's about seeing it because delusion is just the other side of awakening. They they come together. So,
1: not to get rid of difficulties, but to be present and patient with all our difficulties. So, somehow, uh,
2: um, I, uh, thinking about this and thinking about talking about this, um, I'm going to do some rock dharma. So there's a few songs that I want to cite about patience. One of them is Tom Petty's, The Waiting is the Hardest Part. So some of you know this,
1: but the refrain is, you take it on faith. You take it to the heart. The waiting
2: is the hardest part. So um, just waiting in the emergency room. (laughs) Uh, They they had uh, seen me initially, and then there were all these tests that had to be done, and it took a long time for me to be taken back to a room and then waiting more. for the doctor to come in and the the various people to come in. This is, um, this happens in all these situations of patients. How do we find, uh,
1: how do we take it to our heart?
2: This is the practice of Zazen. How do we just be present in the middle of um, difficulty, in the middle of Something that we don't like. (laughs) You know, it wasn't that I was happy that I fell. (laughs) But it was a wonderful opportunity. I'm grateful to have opportunities to practice patience. Uh, So uh, there's three songs I want to cite. The next one is a song that Rod Stewart sings.
1: Um, He sings, Hard Times Are Only the Other Side of Good Times. What if you ever wished hard times were gone? Don't it seem like a long time? Seem like a long time. Seem like a long, long time. When we're impatient, when we're waiting, it seems like
2: a long time. And we're all practicing patience. We're already practicing patience. And we see it through our impatience. The song also says, "War time is only the other
1: side of peacetime." But if ever, if you've ever seen how wars are won, you know what it's like to wish peacetime would come. Seems like a long time. Seems like a long, long time.
2: So, actually, what set me off thinking about these songs was another song that is about uh, the depths of patience.
1: You know, these external scars will heal. Didn't break any bones, fortunately. Um, But um, I was thinking, about a song by John Lennon. One thing you can't hide is when you're crippled inside. This is about Zazen. This is about our sustained Zazen practice. (laughs) Lennon's funny.
2: You can shine your shoes and wear a suit. You can comb your hair and look quite cute. You can hide your face behind a smile. One thing you can't hide is when you're crippled inside. And uh, Eheido Genzenji, the founder of our practice tradition in Japan in the 13th century, said, Nothing is hidden.
1: Nothing in the world is ever hidden. So, you know,
2: the external scars, they heal. But all of us, all of us, all of us, I know I have to be patient with all these different pieces of paper. Here we are. Yeah, all of us are crippled inside
1: in some way or other. It's part of what it means to be human. And there are people who think they can hide what's crippled inside. What's difficult about zazen is not getting your legs into some funny position or sitting still for 30 or 40 minutes. But sustained zazen practice Uh, we start to see how we're crippled inside. So, uh,
2: you know, the point of zazen is to just show up, to show up on your seat, to show up in your body, in your heart, to keep inhaling
1: and exhaling. And if we do this practice for a while, we can't hide from what's crippled inside. We
2: chant all, all our ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate and delusion, born through body, speech and mind, I now fully avow. We will chant that at the beginning of service after the talk.
1: Um, And this is very deep, and it's not that we want to get rid of our difficult karma. It's that we see it fully. The
2: practice of uh, ethical conduct, which I'll talk about sometime in the next month in more detail, but it's not about crushing our uh, delusion,
1: escaping from our delusion.
2: How do we be patient with the reality of this body-mind and the ways that we, we are each crippled
1: inside? This is like the first noble truth
2: that there is suffering in the world. And the first noble truth is noble because we can sit upright and sit with it and be with it. It's not about getting rid of well, of course, we 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 vow to relieve the suffering of all beings. But that means really for, for us to see the suffering of all beings, or for all beings to see
1: their suffering. How do we practice patiently with all the ways we're crippled inside? So there
2: are people in the world, sadly, who think they can hide all the ways they're crippled inside. Maybe they don't even know that they're crippled inside. Some people think, hey, hey, I'm fine. Everything's cool. But, uh, you know, when we do this practice, we start to see
1: our ancient twisted karma. um, How... Family
2: dynamics helps us to be crippled inside. We can just
1: see this. We can be
2: patient with it and not
1: try and run away from it. Running away from delusion is delusion. (laughs) So...
2: One of the things that happens is in Zazen, when we practice for a while, when we continue sitting regularly, we see how we are crippled, each of us in our own body-mind, but all of us together also, of course, how the world is crippled. And trying to run away from that, trying to escape from our lives is not the practice. It's just witnessing patiently.
1: Here we are. So I feel fortunate to have these um,
2: scars, (laughs) but uh, so I can see the outside. But also, we all have these scars inside.
1: How do we confess these scars? How do we acknowledge all our ancient twisted karma? It's not hidden, actually. As John Lennon says, and Stogan said. So, so
2: Uh, Just to say, one of the things that I most treasure about my teacher, Tenshi Reb Anderson,
1: was his amazing patience with my
2: crippledness and with other people's crippledness and his own. So I learned about patience from my teacher, and I'm very grateful. And, And so this week especially, I can give thanks This week is Thanksgiving, one of our great American Buddhist holidays. The practice of generosity
1: coming from the practice of gratitude. Can we be grateful for our injuries that help us to see beyond, to see liberation right in the middle of our difficulties? So uh
2: giving is one of the is well I spoke about it last Sunday, that's the practice of Donna or generosity. How do we be generous with our own injuries? How do we, we be generous
1: with our own pain?
2: How do we, we, we be generous with others with their pain? So, one of our practices, one of the precepts is not to speak of the faults of others. How can we be generous and grateful for the difficulties of others and ourselves
1: so these two this this
2: um American holiday, this American Buddhist holiday, brings together. Gratitude, thankfulness,
1: and generosity. When we are grateful, we naturally want to share that. How do we share kindness? How do we share acceptance? Acceptance of the ungraspability of anything. We
2: think we can control the world, but then you know, we're out for a walk and suddenly fall flat on her face.
1: <laughs> so things happen. Difficult things happen.
2: So our our whole sangha has been practicing patience. In a lovely way, through difficulties. And our whole world has been practicing patience with the COVID pandemic. It's not over. I know of several people who've had COVID recently. I did a few a few months ago a couple times. Um, so our sangha has had to learn how to practice with being crippled.
1: It's a great teaching. So uh, actually
2: um, people in our Sangha, a group of us have been actively searching for a new building to purchase for a long-term ancient Dragon's End gate temple in Chicago. So we haven't talked about this in a while, but uh, I thought I'd mention it. Um, It's complicated. finding a building that that works in terms of all the temple functions, finding a building that uh, is a good building. (laughs) So I've been looking at buildings with Ed Donnelly, who's uh, one of our Sangha members, who's an architect and contractor and former uh, 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 realtor. And we've been working with some current realtors and looking for spaces. So that's happening, just to let you all know, um, but, part of it is also the financial part, so we saw a building that was really cool that we liked uh, on western avenue and uh but we weren't ready to act on it, so uh we're trying to work on that side of it too it's all very complicated; <laughs> it takes patience to work through all of the difficulties, all of the different facets of how to how to eventually. Have a full-time, long-term, ancient dragon Zen gate Suzuki Roshi lineage temple in Chicago, and we've also been working recently on locations and refining our idea of locations. So we want to be within half a mile of a brown line or red line stop uh, in northern Chicago. So we've we've narrowed down areas. All of this is, you know, it requires patience. But in the meantime, um, thanks to the generosity of Hogetsu, we are in uh, this wonderful first floor of uh, building in Lincoln Square and have a really lovely interim zendo. Um, We had to, we, this past year, we've been at uh, Ebenezer Lutheran Church. And I'm grateful for that opportunity to practice in person together. But it was um, awkward in lots of ways. Now we have a uh, Doxun room and practice discussion room in our new Lincoln Square Zendo, t- temporary Lincoln Square Zendo. And uh, there's a kitchen and a kitchen upstairs. And so it's so for those of you who have not been in person who are in Chicago who would like to come to sit with others. Uh, it's a wonderful situation, but it's temporary. It's an interim, and we're looking for something longer term. So this is all about the practice of patience. How do we how do we be patient with all the all the things that are involved in uh, finding our space to
1: practice patience together?
2: And then I, I've been trying to find a way to practice patience with the awkwardness of our current hybrid system. So I can see all the people on Zoom. I, I can see uh, silhouettes of all the people in our Lincoln Square Zendo. So we're, we are going to work more on how to develop that. Um, and that's going to require a lot more patience. But we're all going to be working on that. So... uh some of you may feel like it's awkward to come to Ancient Dragon's Zen Gate. Um, we uh, Many people who came when we were just on Zoom, uh, we haven't seen in a while. Many of the people who were at our wonderful storefront temple on Irving Park, that some of you remember, uh, some of them we haven't seen in a while. So we're rebuilding. And so that requires patience. And it's not about, you know, that there's something wrong with this. It's not about fixing this. It's about enjoying this and the unfolding of this. So it's great just to see the faces of the people on Zoom or the uh, the people whose faces are available on Zoom. (laughs) And to see the bodies in the uh, Lincoln Square Zendo. And I hope you can see some of us on Zoom
1: in the zendo uh,
2: anyway uh, pa- patience is uh, a wonderful practice so the whole world now needs to practice patience we need to practice patience with how can we respond to the wars in the ukraine and elsewhere how do we re- practice patience with climate Breakdown, which you know is apparent everywhere in the world, and causing mass migrations and 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 uh, famine in some places in the world, and big floods in other places in the world, and uh, so the, this is urgent. But we also have to be patient about how we can work to change from and how the the systems of the world can work to change from fossil fuel to uh, renewable energy. It's available technologically. Anyway, all of this requires patience. How do we be patient with uh,
1: all the difficulties in our world, all the difficulties in our sangha, all the difficulties in our own lives? And we practice patience by just sitting upright and
2: inhaling and exhaling and enjoying our inhale and exhale and paying attention so that when there's something we can do that's helpful, we we might try and do it.
1: Not to hide from any of it.
2: Not to hide from
1: our own ancient
2: twisted karma and our world's ancient twisted karma. And all the suffering out there in the world. How can we all
1: encourage each other and all others to
2: practice active patience, readiness, attentiveness? Being ready to respond when we can be helpful, and sometimes all we can do is just rest and
1: let our scars heal <laughs> So, this pa-
2: practice of patience and, and I'm, rel- I'm relating it to the practice of healing. how do, you know because part of our practice is to heal the world. Not to fix it, but just to allow healing, which happens naturally, can happen naturally, is already happening. It may not seem like healing is happening in our world because we all know all the difficulties, but uh, there's change.
1: And all this requires... Patience and attention and caring.
2: So thank you all for your patience, listening to
1: my babbling, (laughs) listening to my efforts to speak of patience. As a a patient in the
2: emergency room this week, Um, so I'll uh, I'll stop now. Uh, except I uh, just to, to give another shout out to Thanksgiving. This week is is our Buddhist holiday of Thanksgiving. So to appreciate all the things we t- we have to be grateful for, and in that appreciation to share and give and express generosity.
1: So any comments
2: or questions or responses to any of this or stories of patients or um, whatever, please feel free. Um, I can see that, well, uh, maybe Ruben, you can help me call on people in Zoom if I can't see them and also people in the the room there in Lincoln Square. So glad you're all here. I'm so glad we are all here.
1: Have,
3: we have a question or comment? Uh Yes. Uh, who, I, who is this? My name is Michael. Uh, Hi, Michael. Um, yeah, so <laughs> try to be brief. But, uh, following the Waukegan cemetery attack, I experienced personal anti-Semitic insults directed that at me, which I responded to by yelling at this person. And then I sat and Zazen, sitting with the anger when I couldn't sleep, I couldn't read, couldn't couldn't do anything, but Zazen was what I could do to sit with my hatred for for this specific person's ignorance and for uh, the Anti-Semitism and the bigotry in general. My question, what I want to know and figure out, is how we can be patient with that sort of thing without simply ignoring it, without
1: allowing it to continue and get, and and giving people
3: ignorant. We, we know what happens when we simply brush it under the rug. So mm-hmm. how can we exercise patience with ignorant, hurting people who are hurting others and yet still act skillful?
2: Thank you. That's a question. Great question. There's a lot to say. I think the first thing is to be patient and forgive yourself for your anger. That does not mean not paying attention to uh, difficulties and challenges and uh, abuse in the world. Doesn't mean just you know uh, accepting all of that. Uh, but how do we encourage people to not hate? It doesn't come from hatred. This is really difficult. Thank you. This is the question.
1: So we don't ignore difficulties in the world.
2: And how do we respond to call attention to hatred in the world, but without succumbing to our own hatred and anger? Anger arises, that's natural. One commentary on the precept of not Harboring ill will is how we say it, not being angry. One commentary says um, uh, that when there's a situation that allows anger not to be outraged is a violation of the precept. So anger arises, but holding on to anger does not help. So please forgive yourself for being angry. But keep paying attention. How do we help others to see that they may be causing harm? How do we respond peacefully from kindness, from from patience with our own response? So I know about this. Um, uh, many of you know I was raised Jewish. So that's my ethnicity, to put it that way. Um, I'm practicing Buddhist and a Buddhist teacher, but uh, I respect my heritage. And actually, my last name is a product of anti-Semitism. So uh, that's a whole other story. So I know about that, and it's spreading in the world. And there's also hatred of hatred of others is the basic problem. Whether it's hatred of Jews or hatred of black people or hatred of Muslims or hatred of uh, Asian people or indigenous people, uh, our whole world is split up by seeing this separation of self and others. This is the basic delusion. How do we heal this? So we need to pay attention to it. And we need to see how we do it, too, that we see others as separate from ourselves, whether it's uh, other groups, or, you know, just other humans, or other species, you know, how do we stop hating uh, animals we don't like, or how do we stop, see that actually there is no, in truth, in suchness,
1: there's no separation,
2: there's no separation, we're connected, we are involved with those who are expressing hatred for, for other groups because we see that we separate ourselves too. How do we heal that? How do we be patient with that? So I see somebody here who lives on the south side of Chicago, and I live just north of the border of Chicago. So north and south, we can think of those as separate people. We had a whole civil war in this country, seeing that separation, believing that separation. Actually, we're all connected This is difficult, this is really challenging. There's harm that is being done in the name of separation, in the name of this delusion that self and
1: other are separate.
2: So how do we heal that in ourselves? How do we heal that in our world? How do we see that we are all together in this?
1: It's difficult and it requires a lot of patience, and, uh, and Zasen helps
2: just sitting, just being present, enjoying our inhale and exhale. We see this separation we've imagined between self and other.
1: Michael, do you have any follow-ups on that? Thank you. My
2: follow up is: This is an individual I have to continue to interact with, so that is very helpful. Yeah, so this person is teaching you patience. I don't know if any of you uh, ever read um, uh, Don Juan back in the old days, the uh, Carlos Castaneda books, and um, what's what's the term he uses um, for people who. Give you a hard time. Um, Oh, I think he says petty tyrants, something like that. Um, And, you know, these people help us to learn patience. So how can you be kind to this person rather than yelling at them, but also be kind to yourself in your own pain about it? So that person is giving you a wonderful opportunity to practice patience. And it's not easy. If it was easy, then you
1: wouldn't need to practice patience. It
2: doesn't mean ignoring harmfulness. It doesn't mean ignoring hate or anger or confusion or this sense of separation. But how can you... Ah. approach it from this
1: place of Saza. So good luck with it. Thank you. Other comments, responses, questions, please.
2: Jan, I can't hear you.
4: Yeah, I, I know. I had
2: okay. to. Okay. Hi. Hello.
4: Hi. Um, I wrote down enough from your talk to give a whole talk of my own. <laughs> um, that you said so much that really was moving and important. Um, my background is really mixed. Um. I grew up out west and uh, in in California, Nevada, Arizona, and Utah, and mostly uh, from the time I was 11 until I was 21, and that's an important 10 years, I lived in Salt Lake City. And, um, during that time, uh, I came from being a super good Mormon to being an apostate uh from the Mormon church and um my sister who is only was only 4 years older than me uh went the other way and uh she has at this point <clears throat> at least 40 offspring. Mm -hmm. And they just keep multiplying. I mean, she had seven children of her own. And five of them had five children. And those 25 (coughs) grandchildren are just prolific, (laughs) as they were. When my sister died, She was surrounded by a loving family. She was calm. And she was not unhappy. I went to visit her two weeks before she died because I knew it would be the last time I would see her. And... um, It was very, it was to me as I look back on it, it was an extremely difficult visit because she and I were not close. And it was, um, I feel like it was me against these 40 people (laughs) who were mostly devout. And I look upon this life of my sister where she worked her tail off for the church, and she was happy in doing that, as opposed to my life where I've been a protester and an agitator and, you know, mostly very impatient with people who disagreed with me, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and um, I have to say it was good for her at least it seems to me right now that it was good for her I don't know whether her life after death was as ideal as she might have pictured it I don't really care what, what but this has been A test of patience for me, I think, my whole life. And um, that was just one of the things I wrote down from this talk. (laughs) I just want to mention one teeny tiny thing, and I'll really stop. I was at Green Gulch when Reb Anderson gave a talk. And he must have spent at least five minutes. And, I, of course, time can travel slowly when you're watching somebody else just arranging his robes so he would be comfortable to give the dharma talk it took forever <laughs> and it i still look back on that and think he sat down he sat down in the zendo and then we waited and waited and waited for him to keep arranging and rearranging his robes so and I've noticed that when Tigen is talking, I'm just laughing all the time about things that he says. And I'm the only one that sees that thinks they're so funny. So I don't know why that is. Anyway, uh, I really have to stop or I would just go on forever. So thank you so much, Tygen. Um I really love your Dharma talks. No kidding.
2: Thank you. Uh, yeah my teacher is not only is um very patient but he uh he uh provides opportunities for other people to be patient
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah um and actually getting settled on one seat during zazen is a whole practice to really find your seat and get settled, so um, I appreciate your story about your sister and your differences and um, and even though you left that practice, I heard that you appreciate that it was good for her in some ways and so you know, how do we see? So the sep- this split, this separation, this break between self and others, uh, how, do we, how can we imagine how others feel? How can we imagine how others feel about us and about other things, others, other separations? So really, you and your sister were never separated. It felt like it for both of you, maybe. And, you know, we can um, criticize other, we might might feel criticism for other spiritual traditions, but actually we're all connected. And that's hard to see. It's hard to see, you know, how Democrats and Republicans today are connected. But nothing can happen without all of us. This is really difficult. seeing this requires a lot of patience and being kind and um, imagining how uh, how other people feel so uh, anyway, thank you for your for your uh, example Jan. other comments responses questions um, from anybody uh in Lincoln Square or from anybody on Zoom, please feel free.
1: We'll get to. I'm sorry that you had this fall, but I'm happy to hear the result
0: of it. Just this lovely Dharma talk. (laughs) Things that came up for me, around patience has to do with our practice of sewing mm. and I remember very much uh, learning so much from Blanche Hartman who has amazing patience but you know I would go and go can I take this stitch out it's not perfect enough you know she, <laughs> my twistedness my lack of attention and she said well you can do that but you know Lori, remember you can't redo your life
1: yeah.
0: And this is that practice of nothing is hidden. And, you know, I feel like with Ancient Dragon, we're we're enveloped in this kind of deep practice of patience, even today, like figuring out, how are we going to move the zendo to see you? You know, how are we going to figure things out for kinhen? So I feel this is always available to us, but that we're always seeing, you know, this, both the, The twisted nature, but also the beauty. You know, Buddha's robe is just this continual repetition of taking refuge. So I guess I just feel like there's a lot in your talk that's so deep. So thank you very much
1: for it.
2: Thank you so much, Hogetsu, for so many things. I guess who has been our sewing teacher at ancient Dragon's Zen Gate, and some of you have Rosu's, and the first stitches that are sewed are the ones that are like right front and center. I've sewed about five of Rosu's, I think um and one sees <laughs> the bad stitches right in the middle first off, so uh, it's not about being perfect, it's not about getting everything correct, you know it's not about getting rid of. That which is incorrect. It's not about exterminating, you know, Mormons or Jews or you know Muslims or you know whatever. How do we see each other? How do we see each other? How do we see that we're not separate? And how do we? Uh, nothing is hidden. So, uh, uh, you know, this this John Lennon song I think is very deep. Uh, one thing you can't hide is when you're crippled inside. And we try and hide it, you know, that's, we grow up, you know, developing an ego, growing up, going through adolescence, we try and hide all those, all that stuff that's yucky, you know, (laughs) and sustains us and practice, just opens it all up. And it's hard. And it's not about fixing it. It's about, okay, this is part of what is, and what is, is whole. And how do i accept it all? How do I wear this rock so even though there's crummy stitches in it? <laughs> so thank you, Hoketsu. other
1: comments, questions, responses, please feel free Co? yeah,
0: um, I was struck by um you're talking about patients as a an active practice um we think of it as a passive thing that just we hold back but and then when i the question about the um antisemitic remarks and the rising of anger and i was wondering if anger can be a trigger for patience and how what steps you might take from anger to patience and my petty tyrant here says hello
2: (laughs) (laughs) hi (laughs) amaya So, yeah, um, gosh. Uh, yeah, so anger comes up, you know, we see things we don't like. We see suffering. We see harm. It's not about ignoring any of that. So when we see it, how do we just, okay, How how is that, how am I part of that? It's. Is finding, you know, blaming others, finding faults with others is not helpful. You know, there's so much name calling in our in our society today. Uh, it doesn't mean we shouldn't call out acts of uh, hatred or acts of harm. We should acknowledge that, and maybe people have to be held accountable when they are doing that. But it's not it's not the it's not the it's not about blaming people or finding fault with people. It's about looking at the activity, looking at the actual events, and how, and being patient with that, and responding. Patience is not passive. We think it is. We think that our practice is just sitting, and you know, and people can you know use um, zazen and other spiritual practices as spiritual bypass to to ignore the ways they're crippled inside or the way that our world is crippled inside. Uh, but the, pra- the true practice of patience is uh, patience, with, uh, the ungraspability, patience with the ungraspability, patience with the reality that we can't fix things. We can see them and help them develop and help them see the uns- inside. Everything is already whole. This is difficult. This is challenging. But uh, we don't hold back from responding when there is some way to respond. And there may be many different ways to respond. And each of us has our own way to respond. So I have responded to uh, social injustice by going to demonstrations. And I may do so again. But it's not about, you know, name-calling to some other person or group. It's about seeing the harm that's happening and how do we uh, respond to that and encourage healing. So I i was going to practice patience. I was going to uh, talk about patience today before my accident. And through my accident, I came to see that patience and healing are totally connected, that we heal through seeing how we're all connected seeing how all of the ways you know our our human intellect our discrimination naturally uh separates self and others or this and that and it's not that we stop discriminating but how do we uh accept the reality of discrimination and help to heal it and help to make whole that we're all involved in the whole thing, and the whole thing is involved with each of us. I don't know if I responded to your question, Co. Anger comes up, and, you know, we can transform anger, and the transformed quality of anger is uh, seeing what's going on that allowed us to have our anger Raging against the machine, well, you know, that might that might be helpful sometimes, but uh, not to rage against some other being who is caught by the machine because we all are.
1: So there's another rock reference for you, Um, but.
2: um, It's all we're all together in this. That's the reality. And yet there's so much division and we see that and we see discrimination. So when anger arises in us, we can transform that into seeing clearly what's going on and then seeing how to respond. And skillful means is the art of how do we, that's another one of these trends, these liberative practices, these paramitas, which I'll hope to get to sometime in the next month or two. But um, how do we uh, transform this opportunity of anger arising into seeing clearly what's, what's going on and seeing some way to respond. And it's trial and error. It's skillful means is not some uh, uh, manual or instruction manual about how to be skillful. It's about, uh, about the expression of, pa- of patience, about s- patience and then how do we respond? So anyway, um, anger can be transformed and greed and confusion can be transformed wholesomely.
1: Thank you, Co. We
3: have another voice in the Zendo.
2: Good.
1: Thanks. Hello. Um,
2: P- who is this, please?
5: No, sorry, this is Paul.
2: Hi. You
5: probably can't see me, but uh, can you hear me okay?
2: I can hear you just fine.
5: Okay, great. Um, what is coming up for me is I'm thinking about how, uh, when conflict arises, it can be tempting to, uh, stay like err on the side of being passive and kind of think to myself like, Oh, I'm just being patient. Um, and so I'm trying to kind of further grasp, like what patience truly means versus, like, being passive. Um, and I'm thinking this, like, quote came up. I can't remember who said it. It says some cinematographer who said, like, tyranny is the deliberate repression of nuance. Of what? Um, t- tyranny is the deliberate repression of nuance. Nuance. What came into my head was, like, Uh, Patience is the embrace of nuance. Good. Yeah, does that kind of Mm -hmm. sound true to you? And like maybe you can speak to that sort of like passivity versus patience.
3: Uh.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, Yes, uh, the world is nuanced. uh, And conflicts do arise. And, you know, I, uh, confessing and repenting of my own ancient twisted karma, I tend to be conflict averse. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I get it from my father anyway, um, but it's also mine. And I like to, you know, I, I try to avoid conflict. <laughs> Some people really like it, like to get in there and, you know, take a position or whatever. Um, but, you know, uh, passivity isn't just avoiding conflict, isn't just avoiding our crippledness, isn't just avoiding the pain of the world. That's not patience. That's ignorance. <laughs> um, so patience is to really study our situation. And the situation of the world, and the situation of our of of everybody together, and um, and then to respond when we can, and sometimes the best response is just to sit still. But that's not the same as avoidance. We have to really study and watch. You know, Dogen says to study the way is to study the self. This means to study this this illusion of separation of self and others.
1: So how do we um, be patient with our impatience?
2: It's not, it's not just, you know, checking out or passivity. That doesn't, that's not helpful, and that's not what this is about. Patience is paying attention but not feeling like you have to go out and do something. You know, uh, a lot of people think they have to fix things, you know, uh, but, um, you know, the old Zen and just don't just do something, sit there. Um, sometimes we have to just be present and pay attention. And then out of that attention, sometimes we see, Oh, I could, I could say this, mm-hmm. I could do that. Um uh, and I can and try it, and it may or may not work, be helpful. But then you try something else. But it comes from the the steadiness, the calmness of seeing something deeper that we see in Zaza. So, thank you for your question.
1: Anybody else over there in, in uh, Lincoln Square
2: have something to yeah. express?
4: Uh, oh, okay. um, Eve, um, Hello, Avery. Hi.
6: When um, Michael was talking about the walkingham Cemetery incident, so what came up for me was related to what you just said. Was was um, I guess scholarly inquiry is a form of patience because yes. what I I wondered so the ADL said that there's been a 400% incidence in anti-Semitic incidents since um, 400% increase since 2016 and so I wonder why that is and I think it does take a while to figure it out Um, so maybe is there like also a connection between curiosity and Patience.
2: Yes. And yeah, I mean, we we might, you know, the 20, 2016, there was an election uh, yeah. and that has something, that to, do has something to do with it, but
6: it's still things a want to kind of figure out what anyway, you
2: know, but it, it, it wasn't that one incident, though, uh, yeah. of that, you know, of that person or that election. It's yeah. something that is, you know, uh, part of our world this sense of separation and the sense of harm and the sense of hatred coming out of that um but yes um uh yeah uh as a uh, fellow <laughs> scholar Eve, yes paying attention can be uh expressed in terms of study in terms of really looking what's going on here and that and to do that rigorously takes Time.
6: yeah well i i also realized i'm very impatient with footnotes
2: <laughs> i
6: was working on a paper with a student this past weekend we had 99 footnotes and the editors made us check over all the footnotes and um yeah i get impatient <laughs> but but i mean i guess it's also practice to be patient with that and i'm grateful to zotero which is great software and it really does help with the footnotes. But um, but I get yeah, I do get really impatient with the
2: footnotes. Well, you know, I I could use this as a as an opportunity to see a separation between you and me, Eve. Because <laughs> yeah. I really like footnotes. <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes go and look at the footnotes first. <laughs> so, you know, it takes all kinds. Yeah. And I don't I don't blame you or hate you for not liking footnotes.
6: <laughs> also, I wanted to say, Jan, that sometimes I laugh at what you say, too. So she's not the only one.
1: <laughs> but so,
6: I, yeah, I think, yeah, laughter, I mean, for me, it's it comes when you realize something surprising, I guess.
2: So, you know, what's wonderful about the wholeness of everybody and everything is that there is this nuance, this these differences between people. Uh, There are Mormons and and, uh, Muslims and Jews and Protestants and Catholics and uh, Baha'i people. There are people who hate footnotes. There are people who like footnotes. Uh, So to see wholeness is to really embrace the whole thing, not to get angry at somebody who sees things differently but to see how we're connected. That doesn't mean to uh, be passive in the face of harm and harmful acts, but how do we respond in a way that comes from this wholeness? It's a big challenge, it requires a lot of patience.